both Jason Momoa and Aquaman would probably enjoy better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, we've got Calvin. That's me. And Elia. Hey, guys. Back again after a long hiatus. We'll get you once every blue moon. Hey, man, that blue moon, though. Blue moon's (laughs) a great flavor ice cream. Oh, yeah. Now, I want to ask this question again, because I don't remember, and I know Calvin knows the answer. What flavor is blue moon? Um... I feel like it's the same thing, you know, with Gatorade. It's blue you know, flavored. What flavors the, yeah, it's blue flavored. What what flavor is Blue Moon? It's blue flavored. Like I don't know. <laughs> Calvin. I, if you... All right. Well, this is depending on where you're from. Uh, I would argue this is a heated debate because there are some sources that claim. The original Blue Moon, we don't really know what flavor it is anymore. Um, and it depends on where you're getting it made and all this stuff. It's just kind of become its own flavored. Uh, however, I have also seen it being listed as uh, almond, I want to say it was. Uh, and there's a good number of people that just say it's almond flavored. Uh, I say Blue Moon is Blue Moon flavored. And. Um- See, and I asked this because the other day I was at a uh, pizza place that also sells ice cream. And, like, the like the spot, like, cow, not spotted cow, that's beer. But, like, that whatever brand is with the cow and the skateboard and the sunglasses. Um, yes, I know what you're talking about. They, yeah. they have Blue Moon, and they had listed it as the flavor of the milk after you've eaten a bowl of Fruit Loops. Yep. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. I just want to know if I had to no, go fight them no, or not. All right, I no, no, I, that's I, a, that's ahead. the same thing when you're describing horchata to someone who's never had horchata, and you just say it's cinnamon toast uh, milk, <laughs> like cinnamon I mean, toast crunch milk. <laughs> where's the lie? So I pulled up the Blue Moon ice cream Wikipedia page. It's very short. <laughs> um, it says. <laughs> It's an ice cream flavor with bright blue coloring available in the upper Midwest. Uh, And yeah, and I did reference this to some friends of mine who live in other parts of the country. And we were talking about ice cream and I was like, yeah, I think Blue Moon is one of my favorites. And they're like, that's not a thing. And I was (laughs) like, you've never heard of Blue Moon ice cream. And yeah, they'd never heard of it. And then I had to just proceed to try and describe Blue Moon ice cream, which anyone in the Midwest that's had it, knows that's a whole thing yeah. as we're talking about. But it's, yeah, it's under the characteristic of Blue Moon, it says the varieties of Blue Moon vary in both color and flavor. Many aficionados of each variety of Blue Moon claim that their variety is the quote-unquote real one or the original. Some dairy, dairies that uh, dairies that make Blue Moon keep their ingredients a secret, adding to the mystique. Wow. So... Uh, varieties that have distinct berry or vanilla f- flavor notes are sometimes theorized to have been originally flavored with castoreum, which I had to click, and this may na- make you not want to eat it, Uh-oh. but it, 
Castorium, 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 Castorium is a yellowish exudate from the castor sacs of mature beavers. Eh. I mean, and that's supposed to, that's supposed to make me not want it. It's the scent gland from a beaver's butt. I don't feel that I really can critique anything because I've eaten the clear, almost plasticky bead that is in a squid's eye. I've eaten raw horse. It's actually really good. Yeah, so I don't think any of us can complain about beaver scent glands. <laughs> I've also just eaten whole squid. Like, we had, I had these little tiny squids that nice. were just, like, dressed on the plate. They were really good. I don't like seafood, but they were really good. Cool deal. Our uh, Better Buddies icebreaker this week is not nearly as fun of a question in comparison, I think. <laughs> you should have asked the ice, the ice cream breaker. <laughs> the ice cream breaker. <laughs> Do we have to take 1d4 of damage now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take 1d4 of psychic damage. Um, Better Buddies Icebreaker this week. What's your opinion of diet drinks? Diet as in, like, you're going on a diet, or diet as in diet soda? Because if we're going, like, diet soda, I've never had one. I'm going to say diet soda with the contention that I'm, I swear to God there are other things that are, like, labeled diet that are not sodas if or like that, uh, one, sugar-free the, the way they do like the locale gatorades and other drinks and stuff no. in a similar way just don't call it diet not I, sure uh, I've had my knee-jerk reaction to that question i really 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 hate diet sodas okay i just they taste they don't taste good like to me and you know people say about the health you know, benefits. I would much rather take the sugar of a regular soda versus whatever experimental yeah. <laughs> molecular structure they put in diet diet sodas to make it taste halfway decent. Yeah, no, I, I I really don't like diet soda. See, and I'm on board with you with one exception to the rule, and it's Diet Coke. Because for whatever reason, I have found that when I need to stay awake, particularly like back when I was working, uh like, full-time, I would drink Coke. But Coke has this weird level of acidity where if I drink more than one, my teeth get, like, grungy. They feel grungy. I can feel it on my teeth. They're rotting out of your mouth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I never had that problem with Diet Coke. Like, something about the chemical composition difference between the two, I never had that feeling with Diet Coke. Calvin, uh, y do you have any thoughts on this stance or are you just gonna say i don't drink soda and move on i don't drink soda i don't even i don't drink sugary drinks really i mean lemonade but do they make a diet lemonade i mean i guess they probably do but i don't think i've ever had one probably those like um, lemonade and, sugar packets that use splenda see i don't know that i've had splenda i mean i probably have and just didn't realize it but no i i don't really drink sugary drinks never really have Juice. I always drink juice. Grape juice. Apple juice. Plenty of juice. Alright. Well, our next segment, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Uh, who wants to start us off? Because I, I, for whatever reason, have the sneaking suspicion, no matter where we start, we might talk for 15 minutes on each topic. 
That's, I mean, that's usually how it goes, isn't it? Does it doesn't usually keep usually it constrained just, to 20 to 30 show. minutes. I mean, it, I guess it depends on what we bring up, but yeah. No, I had one, and then I forgot it. I was all set. Like, for once, I was like, oh, all right, I'm actually gonna going to come up to, with uh, one. Do your latest no. podcast craze? Well, I, I thought you already recommended that. Hey, you can recommend it again. I well, well, yeah, I was going to touch on it, but I had another one. So someone right. else go. Well, I think of my main one. I'm going to go. Uh, my recommendation this week, having caught up on the series, is What If? Specifically episodes two and three, a little bit more with episode three. Uh, episode two is What If T'Challa, a.k.a. the Black Panther, was Star-Lord, gets kidnapped by the... Ra- by the um, Ah, shit. I just watched today and I can't remember what their name is. The Yondu and his crew. Uh, and in that, instead of Yondu going and collecting Peter Quill himself, he sends Taserface and Kraglin, two of his henchmen, to go find the kid, and they land in the wrong spot and pick up T'Challa. Uh, but it's a story about nature versus nurture, and how T'Challa's nature kind of wins out over the nurture and has a positive influence on everybody around him on a galactic scale. But you could also then question if the nurturing of his parents prior to being kidnapped influenced that as well. That's so interesting, because Peter Quill and T'Challa are two vastly different characters. Yeah. You know, personality-wise and what they represent. So, yeah, that's, that's very fascinating. Um, it's worth noting that in that same episode, Thanos became a good guy. Of course. <laughs> interesting. Uh, basically, uh, T'Challa talked Thanos out of his plan... And it's kind of a running joke where people run into Thanos and they're like, oh, you're Mr. Genocide. And he's like, no, it wouldn't be genocide. I would have snapped my fingers and they all would have vanished instantly. It would have been painless. They wouldn't have even felt anything. It wouldn't have been genocide. Um, but T'Challa talks him into like, you know, you have such power and strength. We could go fixing things the other way by generating more resources and redistributing resources. So he turns the Ravagers, which were just like, space gangsters into a band of Robin Hoods. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which they directly reference in the episode. Um, in the meantime, the Collector, who used to be just a wimp, uh, basically takes Thanos' place as like this big buff dude who st- takes stuff and collects things. Uh, it's worth noting in his collection of weapons, he had both Captain America's shield and Thor's hammer. Uh, so he killed them? I don't know if killed, he could have killed, could have just taken. Um, he, he collected them. Yeah. So did he trick like Thor into setting his hammer down somewhere and then he built the case around it? <laughs> I mean, I think that one might be a kill just because uh, the collector also had Hela's necro helmet and necro swords, which Hela would never give up because she's the death queen. Your, your theory, Calvin, is such, like, Tom Sawyer logic, like... <laughs> it's pretty good, though. I know, well, I mean, how else would he have moved it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Pick it outside the box. Holy Not everyone shit. Not everyone to Thanos, like... <laughs> well, I just realized, Calvin might be right, because in the end of Avengers Age of Ultron, Cap and Tony and Thor are all talking about, like, could an elevator lift the hammer? The elevator's not worthy. And in the collector's collection, he has this big case with, like, rotating panels of weapons, and the hammer is on one of the panels that moves. So the collector might not be worthy, but it just moves just because... Got it. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, 
Howard the Duck has more of a part in the episode, so that's pretty cool. Um, the third episode, I think, is a more interesting one, though. And that is, what if the Avengers died before they could form? Uh, you go through the episode, and it's in the same time span as Iron Man 2 and the Hulk and Thor 1. And over the course of the episode, each member of the Avengers Initiative dies. Except... That's unfortunate. Yeah, except for one. Um, so, overall, like, how would you give the What If series? Um, like, you give it a strong recommend? Is it sort of like, a, oh, if you have the time, you should go watch it? Or do you, like, you need to watch this? I would give it a strong recommend, um, but I understand why people might choose to decide not to watch it, just because of, like, how much Marvel content there is. Um, I yeah. think the first episode, which I talked about a few weeks ago, did a really good job of sitting down and condensing all of Captain America 1 into 40 minutes and replacing Captain America with uh, Carter. Peggy Carter. Um, and it had a couple things where it was like, when Peggy Carter gets the shield, it's not like Steve like being offered weapons. It's Steve, um, Howard Stark literally just shows up at the bar and is like, hey, I got you something, here's a shield, let's go! And then leave. Like, <laughs> Howard Stark is kind of their deus ex, let's move the scene along. <laughs> um, there's another instance where they're at the bar, and Peggy and Steve are about to kiss, and Howard, like, slaps up against the window, and is like, we gotta hit, hit on Red Skull, let's go! Oh, you two are about to do a thing? Uh, no, you're good, keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, my blue ball sensors went off in my suit. <laughs> <laughs> um... In the, Captain, in the Captain Carter one, they also make a reference to Bucky losing an, his arm because they're on the train. And uh, Steve has an Iron Buster, or has a Hydra Buster-like Iron Man-type suit that's powered by the Cosmic Cube. And he's the one who finds out, oh shit, the train's a trap. But uh, Bucky nearly falls off the train and Carter grabs him by the arm and pulls him back up. He's like, man, you nearly ripped my arm off. Wink. Uh. Oh, that's such a... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and to their way of handling uh, Captain America showing up in the future is in the Avengers 1 scene where they open the gateway. And uh, for the first time early on when, like, Loki shows up and uh, Hawkeye makes the comment about, like, oh, doors open both directions. So the Tesseract in the World War II had been used to open a portal and was drawing monsters through it. Carter jumps in and pushes the monsters back through. And then when they open the portal in the future, she comes out of it. And that's how she ends up in the future, with Steve having stayed behind. But again, like, yeah, like I said, I recommend it. I'm enjoying it. I think they're going to do some more interesting things with it. Like, in the next episode that came out this past week, when this, when this episode goes up, it'll have just come out is what if Stephen Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? So in the car crash, he didn't damage his hands. The, uh, what's-her-name doctor who it was kind of like his old love interest who kind of took care of him after the accident, she was in the car and she dies. And so it's him trying to bring her back. Oh, when he said heart, I thought you meant literal heart. Yeah, <laughs> like I, he had heart transplant or something. <laughs> to be fair, that's what I thought they meant too until I watched the trailer. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, then it might be Dormammu. I've come to make a deal, you know, yeah. but in a different kind of way. Exactly. Um, and I, I still think all these characters are going to meet up. 
or like enough of these characters are going to meet up simply because I theorized that before, but then I also saw a car advertisement that Marvel put together and animated together where they're all fighting, like all of the hero-y characters are fighting Ultron army while riding around in a car that they're advertising. You know, you know, Kevin Mayhe, as he was making the whole Endgame saga, was just like, I'm going to do this. I mean... <laughs> this is this is my headcanon. <laughs> to be fair, they did do another car commercial using the Disney Plus shows, where like they featured each of the WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's also some mysterious announcement coming on the 10th, we think. Because Marvel has posted a WandaVision calendar with, like, WandaVision on it, but the 10 on the calendar it has a heart on it. And they haven't told us why or what it means. But yeah, uh, I recommend the latest episodes of What If. Who would like to yes. go next? I can go. Oh. Okay. Alright. Uh, well, as RJ kind of alluded to, uh, I recently decided to give one of his prior recommendations a listen uh and i would highly and i want to just further second that recommendation uh it's a podcast called uh dungeons and daddies oh and my god yes <laughs> you listen to it i have the whole thing man <laughs> all right i'm very early in it <laughs> eli so i'm you're on a journey man. Two. you're on a journey have you finished episode two have you who? Wait, who? You. Who are you asking? You. Have Me? you finished episode two? I'm on episode... So let me... I can pull it up real quick. I want to say I'm on episode ten. Okay. I started this yesterday. Holy so... <laughs> you get it. Yeah, I just I just finished episode nine. Um, so, yeah. I don't, you... don't want to spoil too much, but for the... Because for the... Uh, you guys have listened to everything. Yeah. But for the listeners, I would highly recommend. We're probably going to talk real quick. Probably try and limit it to the first couple episodes. Uh, but um, so if you mm. want to skip ahead, but like I would highly recommend everyone listening to this podcast listen to the first one. I don't like D and D podcasts, D and D shows. I've liked D and D. I played it, but I could just never get into any sort of D and D podcast, any sort of D and D show, Critical Role, Adventure Zone. None of that stuff interests me. I, I don't know. I just was bored by it. This sucked me in right away, and I'm loving it. So, at the end of episode two, you remember with the bracers? Yes. And do you remember Daryl? Yes. And to Daryl? What? Oh, oh. I'm going to have to go back and double check. So, I just want to... There was something they did with episode two... To later on in the show, just really mess with the DM and Pumpkin. Like, they went back oh, and re-edited it. Okay. Alright, spoilers again. Eli, you said you'd listen to it all, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so you're talking about the time travel thing? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, I haven't gotten to where that plays out yet. Oh, you won't for uh, a long while. I just, the fact that you know about that, like, that's not the original recording. Oh, really? Yeah, they went back and well, re That's kind of a spoiler. In. I feel like that kind of ruins that joke for me a bit, I, but... It's, I, I'm sorry, I've just been trying to find somebody to talk about it with since that episode, the episode dropped where they did that. Because you just wait until, like, episode 60, man. No, I, now I wish you hadn't told me that. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
like the episode number or what the joke was. I don't know for sure it's episode six. Still. God, just nobody else. I had nobody else to appreciate this. <laughs> Eli gets it. Well, it's so interesting, Calvin, that, I mean, you said you really don't enjoy, like, actual play D&D podcasts, but I'm curious, what, what about what about Dungeons & Daddy specifically <laughs> captures uh, you? Yeah, for those who don't know what this is or don't remember RJ's recommendation, basically it's just a D&D podcast where it's dads from our world get sucked into D&D worlds and have to find their kids. And uh, I would say the main reason I really am enjoying it is I've always liked Freddie Wong, and he's one of the main ca- he's one of the dads in the show. So I've really enjoying that, and I've re- always enjoyed the Rocket Jump stuff. And one of the other guys on there, uh, I think it's Will Campos. He's a writer for Rocket Jump yep. and all a bunch of that stuff. So a lot of that humor style I already really liked. Um, and then I think the fact that they play it pretty fast and loose with some of the rules, I think it's a really solid combination of rules, but then also just constant, never-ending RP. And they kind of never break character. And I think that's what I really like about it. Because it kind of almost plays like a, uh, just like an audiobook, more of like an actual continuous story. Uh, that you're like there while it's happening as opposed to like uh, a performance. And I, I feel like I, that's what the other D&D podcasts and stuff always felt like to me. I don't know. Who's your favorite dad? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pick I one. don't know. I think <laughs> I think Henry. Really? He's pretty he's pretty funny. I just like well, I just like the guy behind him. Oh yeah. That that's Will Campos. Uh and then I I, I mean they're all pretty great. They are. Honestly, it's not at times Ron Ron is my least favorite, I would say. Yeah, that makes sense. That tracks for who you are as a person. I find some of his bits hilarious. <laughs> but I don't know. Overall I find I'm like sometimes I'm like, alright, Ron. Just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like too that, you know, each of the characters, I mean, they're all dads, but they and they all have their dadisms, but they all feel very distinct, you know, like they mm-hmm. all bring a chaotic energy. But that chaos is infused in so many different ways in character moments. Yes. Yes. Like, I, I have to say again, for those listening real quick, spoilers for uh, a joke in like episode five that I would highly recommend you skip the next, I'll be quick, minute or two <laughs> to avoid. But the bit where they're fighting for the, the against the cult of the doodler yeah. and they and uh, Daryl chucks the bag of magic beans down the elevator <laughs> shaft, I was dying. And I was listening to this at work and it was, it was legitimate. I was like tearing up and it was so hard not to just burst out laughing in the middle of my office after they go on like a field trip to like actually throw the bag of dice down the stairs to see how many fall <laughs> I out they did that. and then a, a freaking 60 foot pier like base pyramid just appears in the middle of the building and then instantly they're like all right we're gonna build this makeshift pyramid and if it ever gets knocked over then the building that's knocked over First roll, 
gets knocked over, just crushes <laughs> everyone, crushes Henry's kid. The realization of like, like they're about to like they're picking up Henry's like other kid. Like I forget when Lark and Sparrow picks up Lark, and he's like, "Wait, what about Sparrow?" And then the sudden realization that the other kid was under the pyramid. Oh my god! Uh, uh the library. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my favorite dad is Glenn by far. Um, <laughs> yeah, you 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 have such Glenn energy when you play D and D, RJ. <laughs> I mean, you got to do what you got. You got to be your character. <laughs> um, Glenn, but I I do I will second the whole like they bring such chaotic energy to their characters, but they manage to make it like oh we're not all it's not like we're all wacky zany lol random. It's like. Ron's stupid crazy. Glenn is yeah. chill stone. Like, Glenn is, I'm gonna make a crazy plan, but I know my shit, so it actually works. Henry is micromanagement. Daryl is just so purely dad handshake, but doesn't know when to turn that off, so it doesn't work sometimes. Yeah, the <laughs> fact that he goes for a handshake with everyone's pretty solid. Which he did I mean, that great bit. They set the tone very early in the series when um, when the dad we're talking about, Daryl, goes in for a firm handshake and the guy's like, I'm not going to shake your hand. Then Daryl just goes in and starts making out with the guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, in yeah. the very first episode, that, the very that, first that, episode gets hers. That, that, is your, that, that is your litmus test. Like. My favorite part of that episode, as, as a DM... As someone who runs games of Dungeons and Dragons, my favorite part of episode one is that they're outside the house of the whatever his name is, the bat, the dude who sold their children, the Lance, the Lance, right? And they're trying to plan like, okay, how are we going to approach Lance and like con him into getting our children back? And Henry just goes off on them at, when they start arguing and is just shouting at them. And uh, Anthony Birch, the DM, is just like, "Yeah, you did that right in front of the open window." <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah so and, and if i can make one last um uh you know sell for dungeons and daddies i know we talk about how wild it. and chaotic and wacky the whole thing is but it is surprisingly emotional at points too like there's some really great character moments through all the insanity where it kind of catches you off guard where you're like because you get you like you kind of grow to love these characters and there's moments, especially since the whole goal of their quest is to rec rescue their kids. And so the dads kind of have to reconcile, you know, their relationship with their children. And it gets to some pretty high emotional points where you're kind of like, oh, man, it's like I'm actually feeling something for this guy who made out with this mercenary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no Dungeons and Daddies is a very it, it's it's an easy recommend. I think it's very bingeable. Like, I, I'm pretty sure all of us. It's absolutely binge bingeable. It. Because last binged spring in, when like, I started, two... I binged it. That's all I listened to for a week. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm on my second day and I'm nine hours into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also want to add, because one more final thought that you made me think of, Eli. I think it's also a great example of, like, being very chaotic, but still having the internal consistency and logic that is woven through, mm -hmm. even as they yeah. try and throw curveballs in there. Um... Like, and it helps that, like, they're all writers, and Anthony Birch himself, like, wrote for Borderlands, the video game series. Um, but, like, 
they will throw stuff out there and get crazy with it and come up with crazy names or like the library and uh, then as you go through the episodes it's never like I, it never escalates you know like they start at a level and they kind of like stay there without trying right. to get crazy just to get crazy uh, is that the only thing you wanted to recommend Calvin or do you have another one uh, that took a while so I'll probably just leave that as my recommendation Okay. Eli. Uh, so I finished uh, the media I'm going to talk about today. Uh, it's a graphic memoir oh. from a cartoonist named Noel Stevenson. Okay. And it, it, the, it is called The Fire Never Goes Out, a memoir in pictures. Um, I really, okay, so personally, I love graphic memoirs. Um, what they are is essentially... Uh, graphic novels, but they're nonfiction. You know, it's essentially reading a memoir in pictures. The cartoonist is literally drawing their life as they remember it, and it's told in a creative way. And the, the fire never the fire never goes up by Noel Stevenson is a great example of kind of that medium um, where so Noel Stevenson is a professional uh, comic uh, cartoonist. Uh, she kind of rose to fame with some web uh, web comic named Nimona and Lumberjanes. Where I know her from is from the Netflix series She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Okay. She was the showrunner, and I don't know if I've ever told you, uh, but She-Ra and the Princesses of Power is like one of my favorite cartoons ever. Really? I, I, like, for me, it's it's me, uh, for me, it's on par with, like, Avatar Last Airbender. Like, for me, personally, my enjoyment with the series. And so I was browsing through the Barnes & Noble, and I saw, um, and I saw her name attached to this memoir and I was kind of like, but this, you know, she wrote uh, Princess of Power kind of like touched me in a special way. So I really wanted to know, like, do you need to show us on the doll? (laughs) 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 But, but so I was interested when I saw Noel Stevenson's name on it, I was like, I kind of want to know more about like this showrunner who created this piece of fiction. I love so much. And, uh, the, the memoir is basically, it's a super easy to read, um, collection of comics and blog posts from noel stevenson that chronicles uh her life from like 2010 to 2018 and sort of her you know ups and downs her experience with bipolar depression uh her coming out as a lesbian um just kind of rationalizing her you know burnout her you know all the curveballs life throws at her it's it's a collection of the basically they're basically comic diaries i think is a good way of describing it and it never gets too emotionally devastating, but it does get hefty at points where you really get an insight on the person behind this art. And it's just super fascinating to read and just very enjoyable. I love Noel Stevenson's art. Her, her comics are just so comforting to look at. <laughs> it's the best way I can describe it. It, it, it very much kind of looks like Pendleton Ward of uh, Adventure Time, sort of in that sort of style. And so, yeah, I, I read it in a day. It was just a very enjoyable um, very fun read that, you know, I, I just love graphic memoirs. I love seeing people's life as they see it through their drawings. And this is a great example of that. Cool. And, uh, I just had a question that walked away on me. Um, you said, do you know how she went from comics to show, like showrunner? Uh, actually talked about it in the memoir. She went to school for, um, she went to school for illustration in Maryland and then got an internship in LA. And huh. that was through one of those 
no person, no person, no person. She ended up at an internship, um, meeting some people at some at some companies um, who you know helped get her webcomic published and a connection that led her to the animation industry. So as, as you know, as someone as a burgeoning creative who's wanting to break into the professional space, I really love reading that of like, you know, it's never just a straight journey. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, it, it's. Yeah, I, I just I really recommend it. It's it's a very intimate read. If you're kind of looking, you know, through a year of self isolation, I think memoirs are such a powerful medium to like get to know someone that you know you're probably never going to meet. But it's 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 very comforting, I think, to experience somebody's life through through their words and pictures. I agree. Uh, I think I I want to read this now because like. I think you get. I think you get a similar thing out of it that I get out of reading uh, a pirate looks at fifty, uh, a uh, autobiography from Jimmy Buffett when he turned fifty, like, and him reflecting on his life. Like it's that similar thing of this person is, or we've at least gotten a similar sentiment out of it. So I'd like to. I'd like to read this and see where, see what you saw. Yeah, the fire never goes out. Um, and also, if you have the time, check out Shira and the Princess of Power. I, <laughs> I will. I, I, I preach the good word at any chance I can. <laughs> I have, a, I have a quick question about Shira, just because yeah. it might influence me a little bit. Um, I have found that while I enjoy the world of Avatar and the characters and everything it's done, trying to go back and watch it. I have noticed much more distinctly that it was not ever intended to be binged. Um, just based on, like, the writing and, like, it was very obviously, this is a weekly show that you're supposed to watch, like, once a week so that you don't realize how often the uh, Ember Island Players episode is really, really, really on the nose and very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does she no. have that same thing, or is it are they more aware that like we developed this for Netflix, so it's a binge? It's a Netflix show. It's meant to be binged. It's it, it has that energy of like a Netflix cartoon that's ostensibly for children, but like has that gripping adult <laughs> quality to it. Okay, cool. Yeah, just like just like cliffhangers that aren't obnoxious, but like oh, I got to see what happens now. Yeah, like and, now and that you've done that, I got to watch the next one. Yeah, basically. So it's it's just a super easy recommend to me. I kind of jokingly refer to Shira as a as a gay avatar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like like everybody's just they're basically super lesbians and I mean, everybody everybody's pansexual and that's like I that, that I I mean I like it because yeah. like you know, I didn't grow up consuming that media. And yeah, so representation you, is important yeah, and all and that. But also, with a name like She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, I don't know that there are going to be many dudes. Like, just with a name like that, you don't really think there's going to be many dudes, <laughs> oh, you know? The male char- yeah. the, ma- the, the there are a few male characters, but they're some of my favorite. They're the best. <laughs> okay. And, and I, like, one of my favorite parts from the memoir is um, Noel Stevenson draws, like, her older self talking to her younger self. And kind of just like, oh, here's what happens. You know, you become a showrunner for a cartoon. Your webcomic becomes published. New York Times bestseller. Oh, yeah. And you're gay. <laughs> like, super gay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no. I, yeah, I recommend just the whole breadth of Noel Stevenson's work. I want to get uh, Lumberjanes and Nimona um, in paperback because I just want to see. I want to consume more of Noel Stevenson's oeuvre. So. 
Zine, I feel like just the other day I saw an ad or something for Lumberjanes. Like, it came up somewhere on a website. Oh, well, there you go. The universe is speaking to you. <laughs> it must be. Our next segment, pending any any, any uh, modern media news, any current events we want to cover before we jump into advice? Uh... I'll take that as a no. Uh, our next okay. segment... <laughs> How to be a better buddy where we give some real and some humorous advice. Our first question, it's an important one, fellas. What do you dip your fries in with the further details of please share a recipe if it's homemade? Nothing. I just eat fries. You're a monster. No, they must be be enjoyed in their plain form. Calvin doesn't doesn't drink diet soda. He doesn't dip his fries in anything. (laughs) I'm a purist. (laughs) <laughs> uh so i i like a classic ranch you know classic ranch with your fries that's pretty good but if you're feeling adventurous get european with it and try mayo i was about to i was about to say i use mayo it's real good ever You're since i monsters saw, ever since i saw pulp fiction and i heard john travolta talking about europeans dipping french fries in mayo i've never looked back Oh, uh, see, for me, it was, I'd heard about it, but I didn't try it until we were in Europe. Or literally our first day, plane lands in Germany, we get on the bus, we're driving, we pull over like a wayside or whatever, and get, like, there's a Burger King at the wayside, for whatever reason. I don't know, it's Germany, but they got a Burger King there. Alright, fine, Burger King, you do you. But I ordered, like, a sandwich and fries, and the fries came with mayo, like a mayo packet, and I was like... Alright. Yeah, I'll try it. And like like same with you, Eli. I've never looked back. Uh, no, it's just it's just it's just a great like salty, savory addition yeah. to the already like but but it offers it in a creamy sense versus, you know, a fry which is, you know, firmer. Well, I find the salt content can sometimes like dry my mouth out a bit. And this helps offset it. Yeah, Calvin. Calvin no, see good fries <laughs> don't need anything else. They're already perfect. I, I respect that opinion. Anybody who, you know, a lot of people, you know, aren't big condiments. Um, and I respect the, the rationale behind that. Like a good food can stand on its own. But I'm I'm more of the type of like, I like, I like, con- I like food with my condiments kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, from, like, I agree with you, Calvin. A good fry should be able to stand on its own. My problem is I haven't found enough good fries. I count them individually. You make your own. Oh, my own is the worst. Like, yeah, they're fine. What? It good. So uh, you just make some nice baked fries. They're not fried then, so you don't have to worry about just covered in greasy oil, which is good, but also clogs your arteries. Get some garlic uh, salt on them? Yeah. No. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, garlic salt, overrated. Uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's fine as a seasoning, but people treat it like the holy grail of seasoning in that it's, like, so amazing. It's, like, it's just some, like, garlic. And most of the time it's cheap garlic salt, so it's probably not even, like, real garlic or good garlic. Uh, No. Uh, Herbs to Provence. That, some baked fries with some herbs to Provence on there. Just lightly oiled. You toss them in there. Yeah, that's how you make some good fries. So there's a recipe for you. Our next question. How can you think about nothing? 
with the further details, it absolutely boggles my mind when my SO tells me he isn't thinking of anything. How do you do this witchcraft? My brain cannot prod process this. I feel like when people claim they're thinking of nothing, I... So this is like my personal belief, at least, but I don't trust pretty much what anyone says about what happens in their own head because it's such an abstract thing that I don't think words can properly communicate it. So I think more people have the exact same thought processes or things going on in their head, but they would disagree if they talked about them because it's just so incapable of being expressed that they that what they think is explaining their thought process is just being interpreted by someone else a different way. Yeah. I, I'd say that makes, I, I'd, I'd say that tracks, especially considering like psychology and how there's clear like studies and research has shown like there are general consistent patterns of human behavior and thought like reaction processes that indicate certain thought vectors. But as also shown by people who are not psychologists, they are bad at communicating this to each other. Um, and I would also say, similar along that line of being able to, being difficult to communicate is the, I'm not thinking of nothing, but I have zoned out and my brain is just kind of free floating and it's a lot easier to just say nothing. Yeah, that was my, that was going to be my answer to the question. I don't think he's explicitly saying my brain processes have ceased. <laughs> I, I, th I think it's more so just a shorthand answer for I'm not critically analyzing anything right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not particularly focused in on something. I'm kind of just kind of decompressing. You know what I mean? Uh, question, follow up question for, for I, me to both of you. Yeah. Along that same line, do you guys have the different experience of the two different nothings where it's my brain isn't critically analyzing anything right now? So, nothing. But, also, my brain is having some really dumb, stupid thoughts that I don't really want to share with people, so I'm just going to say nothing. Well, that's just, like, <laughs> semantics, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Because I, de I definitely don't have the second one ever. Not me. Yeah. Yeah. Never. I, lo I, love, I, love, I love that, like, process of thinking absurdly dumb things but you have enough wherewithal to answer nothing when someone probes you on it. I mean, <laughs> most of the time when people ask me what, what you're thinking about, they never really want to hear my critical analysis <laughs> of the Marvel Zombies series, miniseries that came out in 2019 slash 2020, where Spider-Man was the only survivor and how that really should have been the way the first Marvel Zombies should have gone. Yeah, see, I usually just answer nothing because I don't want to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> See, my problem is if I say nothing, that they've already initiated a conversation. It hasn't. It's not going to stop there. Because if they ask what you're thinking about, they've stopped asking anything about the situation at hand, and they just want to know about you. You are the topic. <laughs> Our next question. At what point in your life did you feel, as your mindset went from a childlike state to a quote-unquote man-like state, with the further details, I feel as if very man, every man, has encountered this feeling at least once during their lifetime, and I want to know what stage in your life or event caused this change. 
So I assume they're just asking like when you felt like an adult as opposed to a kid. Um, yeah. I I would argue that there's almost two points for me cuz there's definitely a point where I went from like kid to adult, but I still don't feel like I've I'm fully adult yet. Like I don't pay utility bills. Yeah, that's because you're still in school. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like... Because for me it was... uh, It started my first year of college, is where it started. Where I went through a breakup and was kind of doing that rebuilding myself from the ground up. But I didn't really put together... Like, that was what kickstarted me from just letting life happen to me to starting to make choices about what my life was going to be. But I would say that it was two years later, my junior year of college, uh, where I finally started, like, getting it together and, like, had it together. I knew this is the way I should be, this is the way I shouldn't be, organize my life, get my schedule set out. Um, I don't think I've ever felt more adult than I do. I'm not a junior in college, but now, from that point, I don't think I've ever felt more adult than I did, like... In the year 2020, really. Yeah, I'd say, I don't know, I kind of go back and forth in that, in realizations of, like, I'm an adult. Uh, I honestly had one, like, today, driving home from work, where it's like, I work from, like, 7 to 4. So I got off work, and I'm driving home, and my route takes me through uh, a college campus in, here in the city I live in. And I was like at a stoplight and there was like just a bunch of college kids. And I was like, crap. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just like, well, this sucks. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just like watching all of these people that, oh, I'm like for sure they have a million different issues that they're dealing with. But from like the outside perspective, it's just like, man, you got like nothing you've got like a class that you just finished like homework you're gonna push off and not really have to care about and then just go back and hang out with friends and do nothing and it's like i gotta go home i gotta figure out what i'm making for food for dinner and then i gotta figure out if i still have food for breakfast tomorrow and then go to bed because i get up in time which i won't do tonight yeah, I ran into that same feeling, because, like you said, I'm still, I'm back at college getting a master's degree. I was talking with a couple of students the other day. They're freshmen. When I was going to college in the fall of 2015 for my freshman year, they were in middle school. Oh, man. Why wait, 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 from our our freshman year, mine and Calvin's fall of 2015, they were going into their uh, middle school year because they were that young. Because there's a six year oh, difference. What's that? What's the name of that list? There's there's a list that a college in the Midwest, it might be Wisconsin, puts out, and it's um. Am I still here? My internet looks like it drops. You're still here. Okay. Uh, it's like an incoming freshman, uh, list. Uh, here we go. The incoming freshman, 
the mindset list. Um, I'm going to see if I can't pull it up real quick, uh, quick, but if I can't, um, basically what it is, is it's just a list of things for the incoming class. Um, they, they never make websites easy to navigate while you're multitasking, do they? No. Uh, <laughs> but basically it lists all of these things that this year's class, uh, hasn't experienced or like is like unique for uh, compared to other ones okay so it'll be like oh the kids that are um what would have been it would have been in 2019 the um like on that list it would have been like oh the kids born in this list were born the same year as the uh 9 11 attacks um and then it's just a bunch of it's just basically a list to make you feel old But it's 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 usually pretty interesting. Well, I certainly felt old. Yeah, yeah. Because even the next oldest person on the floor, who was also involved in the conversation, they were only starting their freshman year of high school when I when I was starting my freshman year of college. So yeah, that's. What about you, Eli? When did you become an adult? (laughs) I like. It's hard, especially after reading. Eli never became an adult. He's a Toys R Us kid. <laughs> I'm always a child, child at heart. No, it, it's kind of the same thing from the memoir I mentioned earlier from Noel Stevenson, where she talks about, you know, there's not one moment when she realized she, like, was there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, same, th- same thing with us, where we can point to specific events that seem like that's the defining moment but really it's all these little moments you know when i when i had to pay bills on my own for the first time when i went left college um honestly today um i had the realization that i'm officially off my parents uh, health insurance and i have <laughs> i have to oh, get on my own health insurance and it's one of those things i feel like these moments where i become like transition from child to you know, adulthood is marked by those losses of security nets where, you know, I have to, I have the sudden realization it's on me now. Like I have to get, you know, X, Y, and Z together. Cause there's nobody who's going to do it for me. I think those are those moments and I can't think of a single one, but I can think of so many. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things, you know, you look back and you realize life is just made up of all those little moments that add up over time. Yeah. For for a more fun answer, this past weekend I had brunch, and the waitress told me I should get a man mosa instead of a mum mosa. So maybe that's when I became Ooh. a man. I think that's just a moment you experienced sexism, <laughs> <you> Eli. <laughs> the best part is on on the on the uh, on the bill they spelt man in capital letters. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, Eli, they were so sexist. <laughs> no, I think I think everybody. I think that's the passage to adulthood. Is a man mosa? Man, man mosa. Back in the day, he used to chop down trees. So I could make now wooden. Drink, I could make wooden. A fr- now you drink a, fr- a fruity drink with way too much champagne. <laughs> oh, see, I, I thought you were going for the. Uh, back in my day, we used to chop down trees to make our champagne flutes to drink man mosas. These kids there just drinking the mimosas. Next thing it'll be drinking Jason Momoa. <laughs> Momoa mosa. Does Momoa, does Jason Momoa drink Manmosas? I think explicitly, I think only he drinks it, like on set. 
Okay. And like on set of a movie or TV show, and like the other cast members are like, I kind of want a mimosa moa, and they're like, you can't. <laughs> it's, hey, it's only for him. <laughs> hey, hey, Jason, do you, do you think I could get a mimosa? Nah, sorry, bro. Your biceps gotta be as big as mine. <laughs> oh, uh, shit. Superman, though. He can have one. What the fuck his name is? I forgot the actor's name. Damn it. Henry, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. <laughs> Henry Cavill gets one. As a favor. Henry Cavill gets one. Don't let him back. <laughs> He's chill. Ben Affleck gets none. None for Ben Affleck. <laughs> Gal Gadot gets her choice between Manmosa or Mumosa. It's hers. It's her choice. She's allowed. Uh, Cyborg and Flash don't even belong on set. Keep them in their trailers. <laughs> Yeah, especially since you can't name the actors. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's shit. Yeah, fuck it. I don't give a shit. They weren't that important the in the image, movie. The image of Jason Momoa not even remembering their names either. <laughs> hey, Flash. That, no, you're not that fast. Jason, Jason, I'm Ezra Miller. I don't care who? if you're Flash. Who? I don't work with an Ezra Miller. There's a kid named Flash I work with. I don't know why they calls him the Flash. It's a dumb name. Uh, does he think he's Flash Thompson from the Spider-Man movie? I don't know. Uh, that'd be the funniest thing to me, though. We find out, like, Jason Momoa is just a massive Marvel nerd and just shitting on DC the whole time while filming that movie. That's your, that's your headcanon. That's my headcanon. <laughs> that's your headcanon for every DC movie. <laughs> uh, every modern DC movie, except for James Gunn's <laughs> Suicide Squad. You should watch that. It's great. It was another franchise with like gun do whatever the fuck he wanted. Uh, our next question. What's the longest headache you've had and what were your symptoms? Uh, so I'm still not certain I don't have a brain tumor, but I <laughs> can I can like tell you the day I started getting headaches. Uh, and it started by my having a headache that lasted for about a week and it was like debilitating to the point where I was just like hiding in my bed, not wanting to do anything. <laughs> and from that point on, I get headaches relatively often and now I get car sick. Yeah, you might want to go to a doctor. Eh, that was like four years ago. I'm still here. Is this the is the point American where you find out you had a five-year span. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, I think my worst was probably like the worst and in, most intense headache was a day long, about half day long. I went home from school because of it. I got home and I basically had a migraine until I fell asleep. I was just lying in bed in so much pain. It just hurt so badly. And as a kid, I yep. didn't take pills, so I didn't take any painkillers for it. And my symptom was. I had pain in my head. That's why it's called a headache. What about you, Eli? I can't remember the last time I had a headache. Oh, fuck off. It's I not... actually have one right now. Yeah, it's not something I've... See, my mom suffers from migraines, but I've I never really had issues with headaches like other people have. It's just uh, the only ones I get are from like self-inflicted you know, hangovers and stuff like that. But Yeah. But, um, yeah, just uh, like I... You know, people talk about getting headaches or... Um, you know, migraines, and I just has never been a thing for me. I don't know why. Well, you're yeah. a lucky person. 
I, I didn't get my, them I until uh, stars. <laughs> May. I think it was March second, twenty seventeen. Oh, you've got the day. I I can pull it up. It wow. was. Yeah, no, it was like March first or second. Yeah, twenty seventeen. I told you, like I can pinpoint when they started. But can you I pinpoint did, to be when they stopped? Yeah, I wish. Uh, I did go to a doctor like that first week, and they were like, "Ah, it's probably allergies." And I was like, "I've never had this before with allergies." And they're like, "Ah, it's probably allergies." So you went to a bad uh, doctor. I went to the doctor on campus. Uh, I stand by what I said. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, eh. All right. I'll All right. probably be fine. Yeah, you're pretty fine. Our next question. What are signs when you're messaging a girl in online dating that her interest level is low? She doesn't respond back. One word answers. No questions Done. asking about you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But basically, like, giving, not explicitly saying I'm done with this conversation, but giving the hints. <laughs> if she unmatches, she probably wasn't interested in talking. Um, if she tells you to fuck off, she probably doesn't want to talk to you. Uh, we got time for this last one. Because I'm a yeah. selfish bastard. Our last question this week. Men who have been in an abusive relationship or knew someone who was, how did you slash they get out of it? With the further details, I'll start with I'm not really asking for me. I'm in a kind and loving relationship that I wouldn't change anything for. But my brother, in the other hand, is not so lucky and the situation gets worse every day. To the point I'm honestly fearing for his life and those of people around him. So I'm asking, what was your experience with this? How did it make you feel? How did you realize? How did people react? And how did you or they get out? Well, for your brother... Uh... Good luck. Uh... Uh, the only long-term relationship I've been in was abusive. I got lucky because I, at the time I was working for a professor who works with abused women's shelters and is a criminology professor and knows her stuff. And she pointed out the signs and helped me realize what was going on and made sure very well that I knew, like, hey, this is the cycle of an abusive relationship where they abuse you. You start to realize that they promise that they'll change. Things are good for a while and then they fall back into their pattern of abuse. And it kind of cycles until they manage to, like, get the help they need to break that cycle. Because it's really not something a lot of people can do on their own. Uh, so I broke up with my girlfriend at the time, freshman year of college, because I was experiencing it and I got out. Uh, if it's to the point where you think there's danger to the peop for him or those around him, please call the police. Like, for real. Maybe they don't do anything the first time, but if situations keep coming up, eventually they have to do something. Theoretically. Uh, and it sucks shit. Like, you think you know somebody, and then you realize, like, oh no, they don't treat you the way people should be treated. And they don't really have an interest in changing, they just want to cement their hold. So, the best way to get I, out I... is cut people off. Yeah, I can't speak for myself, but I've seen a few uh, relationships turn sour from, you know, my friends. Um, yeah, and it, I, it's always, you know, when you say the word abusive, people usually think of, like, one thing. But I'm sure you, I'm sure you know this from experience, RJ, but, like, that, that you know, tension comes from other things, you know, like little conversations that sort of, you know, grind your gears and 
it sticks with me that because again i was a freshman i didn't have any college friends yet but i still had my high school friends such as calvin here and she told me a couple times like your friends aren't going to stick with you but i'll still be here yeah (laughs) yeah that's uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) no that that is that is a one consistent i've seen in a lot of my um in a lot of the those relationships i've seen is you know the whole priorities or at least the like i don't want to say inconsistent but kind of that like put me above the other people around you kind of thing that always seems to be a telltale from at least what i've seen yeah isolation too is another big one like on camp like there'd be times where trying like not wanting me to game online and spend time with her or like we there was a game club on campus and i was like oh we should go check this out it'd be cool we can meet some people and make like some friends on campus and she said like oh yeah i think that'd be fun but then when it came the night of she didn't want to go so yeah watch for isolation uh, financial control is another important one, uh, which can be like they expect you to pay for pay for everything, everything. But like, not just in like a oh, I expect you to pay for the dates. It's like I have my money and you're going to pay for everything, no matter what. Or just yeah, there's information online. You can Google it. Yeah, definitely, definitely seek help. I think. Yeah, seek help. Talk to a therapist or counselor. Talk to your brother and keep reminding him that his family is there for them. There for him. Like, because if he gets out, he's going to need people to fall back on. And it's going to be rough. Uh, My depression afterwards was so bad, I nearly went to the hospital for it. Yeah. So, you're going to need to be there a little bit. But also make sure that you your brother doesn't just drag you down with him. Uh, yeah. Any any fun jokes we want to make about abusive relationships? Yeah, I was walking up the house there, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Calvin, you got anything? Uh, not really. That's fair. Uh, and with that, that's enough for this week. Such a fun fun episode, fun note to end on. Uh, thank you both for joining me. Uh, Eli, you <laughs> want to plug something that's a little more fun than abusive relationships? Yeah, sure, I can do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if if you like my, if you like hearing me talking on a podcast, I'm on another podcast with my friend Jay Davis. We are the Super Bracket Bros. Um, we we've gone bi-weekly, and each episode we talk about. Uh, two characters two fictional characters that we love and we put them in a fight we're basically super smash brothers but with every character that's ever been invented (laughs) and so yeah every every two weeks release an episode within this massive tournament and characters will fight each other and move on and we are currently in our third season and we are close to the end yeah i was about to say you're getting close to the finals yep yep we're very close we have two of the last uh final four contenders picked out and we're moving on to the next two uh round of eight so yeah it's a little late to get in uh, but i mean i we always if you're interested i just recommend looking through our episode feed and finding a character that you like and um and uh go from there you know and, and, um, if you... I, I demand a rematch for my boy kvath 
I yeah, he got dirty. He was done dirty. Wait. <laughs> hey, you're preaching to the choir on some of these. <laughs> Believe me, RJ has let me know. I've had days, some uh, thoughts. <laughs> I still maintain that Yennefer of Vandenberg from The Witcher is not faster than a goddamn bullet. <laughs> but well, hey, if you want, if you her. want, hey, if you want to find out what these guys are arguing about, go check us out. And if you have some disagreements, leave a comment. We love some <laughs> some fun discussions. So, <laughs> yeah, that's Super Bracket Bros. You can find us on um, on all your podcasting platforms and on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Uh, thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use their song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. And just like we're on iTunes and Spotify, and like Super Bracket Bros is on iTunes and Spotify and all your podcasting stations, we're on a few others as well. You can also find us on Facebook, Better Buddies. Uh, we have our Meme Monday, and we post our icebreakers on Wednesdays. You can also find us on Twitter, at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account, betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to talk about, or questions that you need advice on. And last, but not least, be a better buddy. Eli, you doing good? I'm doing all right, man. That's good. I saw your uh, saw your write up about your birthday adventure. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was a good. That was a good. Like, I like the whole like getting back evolutionary aspect of sticking your feet in the water, and then you're like, "The hell am I doing?" Yeah, that was very much. I was in the sun all day, and I was just like, <laughs> "I should probably go home." <laughs> no, that right. was a very very nice birthday celebration. That's good. Uh, Calvin, are you doing well? Sure. Alright, I'll take a sure. I'll take a sure. Sure? <laughs> uh, and we're going to start the show in three, two, one.